Hey mama, is the number one dream in your heart to have more time to be present with your kids? Do you wish you could be present enough to help create and instill godly character? Yet you are so busy with work, drowning in the to-dos, the laundry, and the carpool lines. Hi, I'm Michelle, a mom to three energetic kids, wife to an amazing guy, and daughter of the king. For years, I tried to manage my home while struggling to still have time to pour into my kids. The guilt was overwhelming and the to-do list just kept growing. And I was completely overwhelmed and stressed until I realized that I could create systems in my life and my motherhood that would change everything. In this podcast, you will learn time management, batching, habit stacking, setting boundaries, home organization, outsourcing, and you better believe we are going to be dishing out some chores so we can create hours of intentional time to pour into our kids since that is our number one priority as vibrant moms. Grab that lukewarm coffee. Let's stop time. Hey friends, I'm excited to hang out with you today. I am drinking coffee and it's cold. It's going to get wet and rainy in the next couple days. And so where we are, it threatens to rain for a while and then it finally decides to. So (laughs) it is a nice cozy day. I am excited to hang out and spend this time with you. Today, we are going to be talking a little bit about parenting and getting kids on and off screens, boundaries around screens, and really some easy ways to help with dealing with screens. It's something that we all deal with as parents. So let's jump on in. As busy moms, it can be super tiring fighting with your kids to get off their screens, right? Maybe you hate their attitude after they finally get off screens. I totally do because they get they get annoying. They just are fussy and whiny sometimes. And especially I think when we travel, our kids get loopy after they've they get off screens. So we'll talk about some good ways to deal with that. But it can just be really frustrating. And it always comes at the time that you're most tired at the end of the day where you feel guilty for handing them a screen if you need to and screen battles, they can just be rough. And as I said, often we just don't have the energy at the end of the day to deal with it all and policing and monitoring it and all the things. So we just give in and be like, okay, it'll keep you busy for a while and let us like sit here in peace, right? But we know that screens are not going anywhere anytime soon. They are here to stay. So how do we interact with screens in a healthy way with less fighting, less behavior problems, less whining about screens, less frustration, and all the things? So I'm really hoping that in today's episode, as we kind of explore some easy screen boundaries, that these will help you kind of set these in place before things get crazy so that you can just have a little bit more sanity and your home can have a little bit more peace. So pop in those earbuds if you need to. I know often our kids are around and they're hearing everything that's going on. Grab a notebook if you'd like, maybe some coffee. Let's just hang out and have a fun chat. 
All right, so with this all be told, I would love to say that my children are total angels and that we never have problems with screens and that it's smooth sailing once we put in boundaries and talked about screen behavior and all kinds of things, right? No. As parents, we do our best to minimize using screens, but I have to say it was much easier when our kids were little as they've gotten older into elementary school and especially middle school and high school. It's been a whole new ball game. Now going to school in middle school, when they entered in sixth grade, they were required to have a laptop. So that opens up a whole new world a whole new world of the internet, of getting on stuff that they shouldn't, of playing games when they shouldn't, but also managing their time. And it's a whole lot for them to deal with, right? It takes a lot of responsibility, even for us as adults to put our phones down, to be mindful of how we're using our time, to be mindful of if we're paying attention or not to the things in front of us or things that are happening. So I think it's a lot. And so we need to just give our kiddos a little bit of grace, but also to help them with those boundaries so that they can learn and be amazing humans as they get older, right? But as kiddos, we could easily take away the devices or we could introduce them when we wanted or we kind of had, okay, if you're on a long airplane flight or you're traveling for a long time, you can get your screens. But once they hit middle school, then it became a little bit trickier because they have a computer all the time and all their classes, all their homework is all online. And so... It makes it a whole different, as I said, a whole different ballgame. Also, the introduction of having phones in sixth grade when they started to go to middle school and high school. We are currently still in a carpool. And so the carpool needs a way to get a hold of the kids to be like, or do you have sports practice? Are you coming today? Do you need a ride at three o'clock? Or who's going to pick you up? So to communicate, they all needed a way to communicate. So we gave our kids flip phones, which was awesome. Super awesome because they're very cheap. And then if they dropped them or something happened to them or lost them, we really didn't, we didn't care as much. (laughs) We were building in the practice of having a phone, building in the practice of using it and when to use it and when not to use it. We're also building in the practice of what the phone can do. And so I think that was actually a really good stepping point because, as I said, we didn't care if they destroyed that phone because it was like a $20 phone, maybe less, versus, you know, the iPhones nowadays, which are super expensive. So I think it was a good way, a good stepping stone. The other great thing about it was that it couldn't connect to the internet. So We were not worried about what they might be seeing, what websites they might be on, who might be chatting with them. Only a few people had their actual phone number. And so only a few people could actually contact them as far as chat or calling. But it was a phone that worked. So it was a phone that could connect with the carpool group. It is a phone that can connect with all kinds of other things. And so just recently, this December, we repurposed my old phone that had broken, but was still kind of hanging on. And so my old iPhone, we repurposed and gave to our daughter for Christmas. So now she has an iPhone. So the key was also to 
have them get an iPhone underneath our parenting so that they weren't introduced to it like in college or senior, junior year or something where then they were like, whoa, what is this? And so after that, it's harder to teach them good habits around screens and good habits around phones. So that's kind of what we have done with our kids and that worked. That may work with your kids that may not. So just take it as a grain of salt that it may or may not be helpful. Looking back on it, I really love that we had cheap flip phones for our kiddos at the very beginning. And our son still, who's in sixth grade, has a flip phone. And our youngest one, who's in fourth grade, does not have a phone. <laughs> so that's kind of where where our ranges are. And our eighth grader, who's just about to jump into high school, now has a real phone. A phone with all the bells and whistles, shall we say. So within that, let's jump into just some key screen time boundaries. So we'll just talk generically and in general about some things that we have done in parenting and helping with screens that may be helpful for you. So take these, as I said, with a grain of salt. Maybe you already do some of these in your household. Maybe you haven't gotten to that portion yet, but it's really important to think about screens at a time when you have enough energy to deal with them because they're so addicting and they're so easy that it really is difficult to deal with policing them, managing them, figuring out what your kids are doing or online when you have zero energy and you're just exhausted. So try to plan this a little early so that you can hit those pitfalls before and straighten out any of those road bumps. All right. These are just three things that have helped us set screen time boundaries. Number one is to set screen time times. So these are specific times when our kids can be on their computer. Now there's specific screen times for different types of activities, because as we know, all screen time activities are not the same. So there's time that they have to do homework that they can be on their screen as long as they need to finish their homework. We typically like to have screens done by dinner time so that we can all have dinner together and then we put them away and they all live far, far away. (laughs) They live downstairs in a big bucket, a box where they all plug into the wall and that's where they all live all night. They do not stay anywhere that is not a public space. And we'll get into that later, but that is for homework. We also know our friends now, a lot of the kids' friends are all online. And so the way that they connect with one another is all through chat or through texting or through all kinds of stuff digitally. And so we want to make time for that, for them to hang out with friends and connect and to feel a part of that and feel a part of that community. So they have time to talk with their friends. That's about like 30 minutes, maybe 45, depending on the day and how much homework they've got. They have time for educational classes. So sometimes my daughter loves to do art classes and the boys love to do typing or they love digital YouTube videos like Mark Rober or other ones where they're building things or just designing things. And that is 
also really important. And then we also have (laughs) the fun side of screens, which is like video games, maybe online shopping and all the things, right? These are the things you get sucked into and you can do for hours and hours and hours. I love what Arlene Pelican from The Happy Home talks about with screens. And she talks about digital vegetables being like homework, educational classes, you know, maybe time with friends, but that's really vegetables. And then digital candy, which is more the entertainment side of video games and shopping and online stuff and looking through Pinterest for hours and all the things, right? So that's more digital candy. And that it's important to have to have both. I think if you have all vegetables, your kid's going to gravitate towards having candy. But if you have all candy, that's not healthy for you either. So it's really important to kind of sprinkle in both, but also realize what things are digital candy and what things are digital vegetables. We try to, as I said, keep a boundary of a time limit. We set certain screen times for each of these different activities and it's working pretty well. The other really key thing in this whole first step of setting screen time times is that we also set We have something called the command center, which I created for my clients, which if we go into that a little bit more, not super detailed, but because this is only a short episode, but uh, the command center really has, it's made up of your calendar and then there's lots in there. And then there's also a board where you keep things for future use and things you don't want to lose. And there's a lot of information to go on in there. But the one piece I want to focus on today is we keep a board. It's a chalkboard and it has three main questions on it that our children ask all the time or that at least change weekly. Number one is screen time. When is the screen time for this week? So we typically set a couple hours. It's typically on a weekend, but it may fluctuate depending on our plans or what we're doing. Sometimes my husband and I go on a date night and the kids can do screen time while we're gone. So it just depends on our plans over the weekend. Also on that command center, it has who's in charge of picking a movie because we have a family movie night on Friday and it always... we found that it was helpful to have one person pick a movie because if we're trying to figure out the movie between five different people, we never end up figuring out the right movie. And then it's like half of the evening has already gone. So we found that it is super helpful to have one person pick a movie and then we rotate. The other thing we found that was helpful is to actually start it at a specific time because usually it's like Friday nights and we're all tired. So eventually we start it and sometimes we start it late. So we have figured out that we want to start it on time at 630 and whose movie pick it is. So it kind of rolls a little bit faster, but that is what goes on our board. And the last important question for the week is whose job is it to do dishes? And so who gets to unload the dishwasher? And we put a specific date for that week, and then we know. So these are three of the main important questions that go on in our family. You may have different questions, and that's totally fine. But we have found that putting the screen time up there of what time and what day it is, 
helps immensely because especially our middle guy loves video games and would want to play them every day, all day for 24 hours. So he's always asking, when do we get to play video games? When do we get to play video games? Can I just play video games? Can't I play some video games? So all that whining and that pining for video games has stopped because we can tell him, look at the board. What does the board say? And then when he's like, okay. He's like, but can't we play? No, that's the board. Go look. And so it really makes it black and white. They know to set their expectations. Saturday, I'm going to get game time for two hours and I'm going to get it in the afternoon. So that has really helped to minimize any of the complaining and whining. So screen time, set times specific for those different activities that you're talking about. Because as we said, not all activities on screens are created equal. So set times for those different things, digital vegetables and digital candy. All right, number two, contracts and consequences. Screens, as I mentioned, are only allowed in public spaces. They're not allowed in our kids' bedrooms because we value sleep and we want them to value sleep. Anybody knows who's a parent, your kid, if they haven't had enough sleep, nobody wants to deal with them, right? Let alone send them to school and the teachers have to deal with them. And they're just not fun. They're just not functioning at the level that they could or they should. So number one, we don't keep any screens in bedrooms. They're only in a public space. And that does help cut down anything that they shouldn't be on, that they might be tempted to be on in private. So screens are always public access. Also screens, as I said, are not allowed to go upstairs. You may have maybe a one story, maybe screens don't go out of a certain room. Maybe they're always in the living room and the kitchen. That's typically where our kids have screens is the living room and the kitchen because they're connected and it's a big open space, but figure out what works for you. So yeah, as I said, there's consequences. We check our kids' devices one time per week is the goal to check it at a certain time every week and check out what they've been looking at, what things they've been online with, and does it connect with the values that we want for them? And I think that's really important. Before our kids were able to use a screen or use a phone, they had to sign a contract. And the contract states exactly where the kid is allowed to use the computer in public spaces, when the kid is allowed to use it, when it's in the afternoon, not after bedtime and so forth, and not at dinner time. And then it also says like the consequences if you're not managing your screen correctly, it'll be taken away or things will happen. So the kids know the consequences with screens, which I think is really helpful, but we you know, (laughs) we've had all kinds of crazy things in and of that. So as I said, you want to manage this all with grace and know that screens are designed to keep your kids busy, to keep you busy and to just suck all that time away, right? We get so distracted on our phones. So just give everybody a little bit of grace But I think it's really important to constantly be checking your kids' screens, checking what they're on. And 
if anything, it's not even to check if they're going to sites that are bad, but just to even see what are they interested in? What do they find funny? What are they laughing about with their friends? What are they looking up on YouTube? What are they checking out as funny Pinterest videos? So I think that's really key now because there's so much online that your kids are filtering or going through. I think it's a key way to just connect with them and then also make sure that what they're watching is good. So number one was screen time times. So setting time for certain activities. Number two is contracts and consequences, figuring out contract of what you want for your home for the screen time to look like, and then have your kiddos sign it, go through it with them and say, this is what we're going to do for our home. And don't be overwhelmed. Your contract doesn't have to be perfect. You can always modify it. It can be as simple as three things of we use screens at this time. We're not allowed to go on these different websites and screens don't live in your bedroom. They live in the public areas of the home. So just know that there's grace that you can create a contract, go through it with your kids, talk through it, and it doesn't have to be perfect. It can always be modified. And that's even a good teaching point to talk through and say, you know what? We didn't realize that this is another key area we need to add to our contract. Or let's talk about why this is a good idea or not. And number three is the teaching of why. So our goal really with our kiddos is to create boundaries around screens, but to be flexible and understanding and to explain why we have these boundaries around screens. So one thing, as we said, is so key because really what we're doing is we're parenting our kiddos, right? And teaching them how to have healthy boundaries around screens that are going to be here forever. So that when they go to college, when they go to school, when they go places that we are not, that they will be able to use screens wisely and not get on stuff that they shouldn't, but also to understand like, oh, I've been on Etsy for like two hours. Maybe I shouldn't be on this one site or playing video games for like four hours. That's not healthy. So Make sure that you are flexible and working with your kiddos. Not everything is black and white, but really teach them the why behind it. Because in the end, you're not going to be able to police all the sites that they go to and all the things that they do. And so you need to instill in them a quality and concept of being respectful and responsible and really thinking through their actions because those are what are going to harm them or help them in the future. A couple quick bonus tips in this of teaching them their why is to practice watching YouTube and other videos with your kids together. I know we have so much fun watching fun YouTube videos together that it almost is like, oh, don't watch that without us. Oh, don't watch that, you know, by yourself. Or they'll come and tell us, oh, we found this really funny video. You should watch it. And so we watch it together and we laugh or we like comment on it. And then we also use funny quirks or jokes or things that we picked up on 
in just everyday conversation and it just makes it more fun. It's like inside jokes for our family of like, hey, remember this one? This one's funny. And it just makes them laugh and you're connected in a way I think that is really fun. And so make sure that you do that. We love to watch Dude Perfect or How Ridiculous. Both are really amazing shows. Dude Perfect is five guys in Texas and they do trick shots. They also do trick shots as far as like sports shots. And they also do all kinds of really funny videos of sports and all kinds of things like that. And they're hilarious and very clean. They're five Christian guys. And so it's always great when we can watch that together because there's not any kind of stuff that's questionable. And so it feels very like, okay, ah, no problem. You can watch this. Also, we love How Ridiculous. They're three guys from Australia and they're hilarious. They said their job description is that they drop things on other things. So they drop stuff off towers. They shoot things out of cannons. They they do all kinds of other crazy stunts and things like that. And they're pretty funny. But they are three Christian guys from Australia and they're very clean and very entertaining. So both those are really fun ones. We love watching. We also love Mark Rober. If you've heard of Mark Rober, who does all kinds of videos about science and putting things together, he's best known for things he set out in the backyard for squirrels. So if you look up YouTube videos with Mark Rober and squirrels, they're quite interesting. He's also set up packages. Oh, I forgot what they're called, but it's when uh, somebody will, like a thief will come and steal your package. He set up a bunch of pretend ones to trap thieves who take packages. And so those are very interesting. They're called like a glitter bomb. So he's created a lot of those that are quite interesting. And then now he has, he's moved on to like subscription boxes and other things, but he's very clean, very interesting, very sciencey, but also holds the kid's attention. And so he's super fun and family friendly. One other thing, when we do video game times, I forgot to mention this, but also sometimes when we travel too, but we try to make our kids take a break every 30 minutes to an hour, just a five, 10 minute break. And we have found that that really helps their attitude. That helps them not to get grumpy and fussy. That helps them maybe take a little break and eat something or drink something. Because when they're doing video games, they forget to eat something or drink something or even to go to the bathroom. And so after they put their device down, they're like hangry and they're frustrated and they want water at the same time and they're thirsty and they have to do all these things. Whereas we found that giving them a little break in between, like just put it down for a minute, take a deep breath. It allows them to be like, oh yeah, I am a little hungry to get something to eat and come back. And that's minimized kind of the whining and the crazy attitudes that we've had if they're on screens for too long. When you're traveling, it's a little tricky because you're usually on an airplane for like four or five hours. So that is just what it is. <laughs> so just don't sit next to your kids if, if you give them screens. It's <laughs> by law you need to, but you know, do what you can. Know that it's, it's inevitable and it's going to come. And the last tip I want to say is I love Arlene Pelican. She has just some amazing, really good advice. I love the way she teaches. I've had her on the podcast once before, but she has a couple of really good books all regarding screens about 
screen kids and kind of how it affects your brain, but also how to kind of navigate screens and work with them. So as I mentioned, good vegetable, digital vegetables and digital candy and all the things. So she is amazing. Also, if you need to talk to your kids about porn, a really good book. This is very basic though. We would show this book before we put our kids in elementary. Now we've moved past that. But if you need an intro book, because it's not really a fun topic to talk about, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures is a really good one we started out with. It's very generic, very classic, and it just talks about what are good pictures, what are bad pictures, and what do they do to your brain, and what to do when you see something, how to avoid it, that kind of thing. But it's very, it's written more for like kindergartners or like first, second graders. So it's for little kids, but it will help you get the idea across if you need a starting point. I'm hoping to have that author on the podcast at some point and it should be fun. So just to summarize, we know that screens are here to stay and that screens can be super tricky to navigate and to parent because there's so much variety as we talked about. There's screen activities for all kinds of things and some are educational and fun and you're talking to your friends or grandparents and some are just the opposite of porn or some website that you shouldn't be looking at or all the things, right? So it's super hard to manage. So I just want to give you some grace as a parent. Do what you can. Don't beat yourself up. Make a contract, but know that you're just going to need to work through issues and your kids will stumble and they will look at stuff they're not supposed to. And they will play video games at school when they're not supposed to. And they will do all the things that you wish they wouldn't, but take a deep breath and use it as a positive parenting moment to just talk through that with your kids. Now I have to say, Working through that and setting these goals and boundaries when you have a nice big cup of coffee and a full night's sleep and the most energy possible are highly recommended. We don't often get to choose when we'd like to deal with these things, but the more you can get in front of this train and kind of talk about things with your kids and set boundaries the better it will be down the road and the easier those conversations down the road will be. I really hope that this has helped and maybe that this episode has given you a little bit of wisdom and a starting point in dealing with screens. As I mentioned before, I work with my clients to create the command center and it has those pieces that I have used in my home quite a bit. I've created them and worked with other clients because they are super helpful in your home. So if you need something like that, you are just finding that there are certain things that are falling through the cracks and you need more tools to just help you manage your time. I would love to help you and kind of walk through that and work with you. So connect with me. You can connect with me at coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G at birdmichelle.com, B-Y-R-D-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E.com. And I would love to connect. Grab a free coaching call and we can just see what you need and talk through your schedule and how things could look differently for you. All right. 
Until next time, I really hope you have a busy, vibrant day. Did this podcast bless you? Did you learn something new? Did this podcast encourage you? Please leave our mom a review. Pretty please. I hope you loved today's episode, friend. I pray it blessed you, encouraged you, or challenged you in some new way that is helping you. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else that needs community too? I also would love if you could take 30 seconds for me and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know that you are actually enjoying the show and that it is blessing you. Plus, it makes me happy to hear from you. Come on over to our free community, birdmichelle.com, and grab your free gifts. I have free productivity programs and everything you need to know about working with me, taking my courses, or connecting. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. 